0: Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to my beauty industry enthusiasts, content creators, and brand visionaries. Get ready to step into a world where beauty meets business, where the creator economy blends seamlessly with strategy. I'm Sonia Elise, and this is Lip Service, the podcast. We're about to redefine the way that you think about the beauty industry. From the boardroom to the makeup room, we're leaving no stone unturned. Lip service is your backstage pass to the beauty industry's best kept secrets. Now take out your notebook, fill up your emotional support water bottle and swipe on your favorite lip gloss. Let's get into the episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode one of Lip Service, the podcast. I'm coming to you today with someone that I have known for years, has seen the evolution of my business, and I have watched their business grow just tremendously. So please welcome Tyler Williams to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So Tyler is the founder of Nouveau Communications, a boutique PR agency that specializes in beauty, of course. But what else? Um, Before we dive in on asking him all of the questions of how did he get here, what type of brands does he work with, all the goods, we want to know three questions that I will be asking all of my guests moving forward. All right? I'm ready. First, first and foremost. What's on your face today?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I am wearing, uh, actually, Elizabeth Arden's vitamin C cap. That's how I started my mm-hmm. serum process today. Um, I'm wearing Medicaid's C day cream. Um, I am wearing a, a client. A Medicaid is a client. Full disclosure. I am wearing Florasis, another client's SPF. I'm testing that right now because it's S, um, SPF 50. Like that's great. Ooh, um, strong. Yeah, I love strong. I look at my skin. I obviously love a strong SPF. <laughs> um, and I finished with their um, like they've got like a blurring powder because I get shiny from the SPF. Ooh. So that's that's my very face cool today.
0: Amazing. Okay, and number two, it's okay. a little explicit. Ooh. Fuck. I know. Fuck. Mary. Kill.
1: Oh, love it. Ready.
0: <laughs> skincare. Okay. Makeup.
1: Uh uh-huh. Hair care. Ooh. Okay. I mean, I think I would have to kill makeup because that's that's my like you know that's my add on. So sorry to make. Okay. Um, have to marry skincare, and then obviously hair mm. care.
0: Love it. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Number three. Here we go. This one's a hard one. Okay. You're on your deathbed. Okay. You know you're going into the ground tomorrow. Oh God. What product do you take with you?
1: <laughs> that is such a great question. You know, I think I would take my favorite fragrance, which is Back to Black by Killian.
0: Ooh. Okay, we love fragrance talk. I love this. Great answer. You will smell fantastic in afterlife. That's right. Exactly. So good. Amazing. All right, let's get into the episode. So thank you so much for joining us, Tyler. I know you are very busy as the founder of a bustling communications agency. So Please tell us just a you know short recap. How did you get here? How did you start your own agency? Like, what does that look like for people?
1: Yeah, well, thanks for the generous intro. Um, I I've always been in beauty PR. Uh, I graduated from journalism school and I took uh, an internship here in the city that was actually in healthcare, and quickly realized that I liked PR, didn't like the subject matter in healthcare and graduated, was able to go to a big agency and get a lot of different experience and gravitated towards beauty really quickly um, just cause it's really, it's a good fast pace, it's fun, people enjoy it. There's always such great innovation. And from there, I mean, I really spent my time between agency, large, mid-size, and then I went in-house at a global conglomerate for a few years and Um, they moved their headquarters from New York City to LA in 2018. And uh, they kindly offered me to go with them. And I said, no, thank you. And freelanced for a little bit thinking I'm going to do this until my next, you know, cushy in-house job. And the joke is on me because here we are five (laughs) years later, a team of 10, 15 clients. Um, I'm coming to you from our new office in Chelsea. So it's been a wild ride.
0: Wow. Well, congratulations. That is a huge accomplishment. As someone who took a sort of similar journey, I get it. The hustle is real over those 5 years.
1: Yeah. It's it's like nothing you can even describe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, always beauty. So, tell me when a new beauty client comes to you and says, "We'd love your representation." What are some things that you're looking for there in terms of this is going to be a successful brand fit just generally out in the marketplace, but also for you as a company? Like, what are things that you're looking for?
1: That's a great question. Um, You know, there are so many beauty brands out there, as you know. Um, And so we get approached by a lot, which is great. What we really look for first and foremost is like true white space um, because there's a lot of brands out there that are kind of copying and pasting, you know? Um, So really Mm -hmm. making sure that the products themselves are differentiated. The positioning is really different and unique. Um, Maybe there's a unique founder story. Um, I think beyond that, we really look for um, stories that just haven't been told before. So, you know, we've got, one client right now, her name is Salwa Peterson and she is from Chad and her ancestral roots involve this like seed that she's grown on her farm since she was a little girl. And now she has this like super sustainable farm where she pays everybody European wages and it's the basis for her whole hair care line. So like things like that, where it's just like, wow, that's so cool. I want to know more, you know? And then I think really beyond that, um, we have something that I call the no assholes policy, um Love
0: it. and yes. it, it is
1: what it sounds like. You know, we really try to work with people who are good people who uh, you know, are, are not rude to us or to <laughs> the other people out there in the world, um, or share our values and um because there's enough business to go around, you know. I I, I spent a long time in my career being subject to, you know, <laughs> I'll just say Chick Fil A was one of my first clients uh, when I got to college. You know, <laughs> oh said, no, yeah, man, that was something that was a little hard to grapple with. So it's you know things like that fall under the no assholes policy
0: for sure. And it has to personally align as well yes. as align business wise. I get that. Um, so tell me, last year we're still early in 2024, but 2023. No. What were some of the trends you saw with your clients, whether that's product-based or strategy-based? What were you seeing happening in the beauty industry? I actually,
1: this is bad uh, to say, I think, for you, I saw a little bit of a pullback from Influencer, um, which I hadn't Mm -hmm. seen in such a big way um, before. And now, weirdly, this year, I feel like it's swinging back the other direction, which is good, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, there was just like a lot of resistance to the influencer world just in general. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of anxiety around the economy. So there was just that resistance to spending on anything that wasn't going to be a guaranteed hit. And so... What ended up happening is a lot of brands and people ended up not spending, just like holding uh, as long as they could. So I think those were the two big things that we saw last year. But thankfully, I'm seeing a lot more um, of a relaxed attitude and, uh, you know, everybody's pushing forward now.
0: Great. I mean, with that, I think that's a perfect segue because, as you know, I work a lot with creators and influencers And what are you seeing that your brands are excited about in that space? Is it people who are more on TikTok, micro, macro, people who are makeup artists, specialists? I'm sure everybody has a different opinion, but any trends or insights there?
1: Yeah, there's definitely huge interest towards TikTok. Um, I think at this point, everybody understands the power of TikTok and they understand that you don't have to be an Alex Earl to be you know, to have that successful moment on TikTok, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. It's such a democratized space. Beyond that, um, we're seeing a big push towards experts. Um, so even even social media creators who don't have the biggest following, um, you know, we have a couple of them on our roster who, you know, they're under 50,000 followers, but they get paid a lot of money um, to, you know, work with these amazing brands because they're, you know, leaders in their field. So, uh, that's really exciting to me too. I really love the expert space.
0: Yeah. I mean, you represent right now, at least two, if I'm not mistaken, brands where the creator expert was established first and then they launched product. What does that look like for somebody? Like what, how does that happen?
1: Yeah. So I, yeah, as you mentioned, I have two, I've got, um, Andrew Fitzsimons who his products are this way behind me.
0: Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> his, I mean, his path was very intentional. He, you know, he's obviously been a celebrity hairdresser for many years. Um, he now works with some of the most famous people in the world, um, on a regular basis. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, through that journey, he, um, he, built up quite a substantial social media following and he's always had a very strong perspective on the beauty industry and what he wants to say in the industry and what products are missing and what technologies are missing, which, um, you know, thankfully people responded to. Um, So he was able to find great partners to put a brand together and launch it um, back in 2022. And then we have another, um, uh, coincidentally, another hairstylist, um, Key Taylor. She's known as sheer Genius on Instagram. She's definitely worked with celebrities um, in the natural hair space, um, but her trajectory was much more social media driven. She has, I think, one point two something million followers on YouTube. Wow, she's mm-hmm. um, she's such a force. She's one of these people who. Um, you know, she, she hears about an opportunity and if she doesn't understand it, she like researches everything she can and then charges forward and does it. Uh, so she did that with YouTube, built up a huge following, a really great career on social media, and then did the same thing with her own brand, like figured out like where she could get suppliers and packaging and, you know, has her own like little warehouse in Philadelphia. Um, so she, you know, she so just good. you know, there's two paths, you know, you can kind of like DIY it all yourself like she did, or you could go with Mm -hmm. Andrew's path, which is find people who, you know, can help you build that. um, So you don't have to undertake it all yourself.
0: Yeah. I love both of those perspectives because it just goes to show you so many people, creators, especially people who are specialists think that they can make it to that level unless they have an A-list on their roster. And that's, just not true if you're very talented if you're very relentless and you build that following you could absolutely make it to that level so i love that you have both of those stories that you're able to tell There, so interesting so good um let's talk a little bit about like gifting okay i know that your company is very generous with gifting because they were lovely enough to reach out to some of the creators that i mentor and offer them some intro and i think some of those creators are now like recurring with those brands which i love how do you prep a brand for appropriate gifting procedures and what is like your sort of methodology when it comes to gifting and creators?
1: Um, because we really work with brands of various sizes and some who are very new to the space and some who are quite established and, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Kind of know the ropes already, um, yeah. <laughs> and you know, even some of our newer brands, to their credit, like really understand the space. So I gotta gotta share that as well. But um, I, I think the thing that a lot of brands struggle with um, when we first start off this process is just how much gifting is required uh, in order to get a certain level of ROI. Um, particularly for something like hair care or skincare, where it's not instantly demonstrable, where you can't create a Mm -hmm. look like that, that's easily wiped off, um, you know, it's, it's a bit of more of a long game. So for mm-hmm. us, it's really identifying, like, where's the comfortability level with the client? Like how much mm-hmm. are they willing to yeah. invest in their cost of goods? And then, you know, obviously the shipping and all of that. Um, and then what do they want to see out of it? And are their expectations aligned with what they can provide? Um, so yeah. that's a bit of a dance <laughs> at the beginning. Certainly. <laughs> yes. yeah, um, and then from there, you know, it's really our job to, like, really develop that strategic list of, like, okay, who's going to resonate with this brand, with these products? Who's going to really enjoy it? Like, where where is it going go to go to good use and not end up, like, in a mailroom or just, like, sitting in somebody's corner forever? Um, so it, there's a, a lot of due diligence. It takes a lot of time.
0: <laughs> yes, it does. I mean, I think that is a great behind-the-scenes tip is that gifting for brands. And I think creators need to know this as well, because I constantly see creators say like, well, I told them I was interested and it still isn't here. I'm like, girl, <laughs> it takes so long. <laughs> Let me tell you, like, we, I know we got to develop the list. We got to get the list approved. We got to whatever. And then we got to get the Excel sheet. And then all the gifting has to go to the warehouse. And then it's not like Amazon prime where I just like say, great, this person, and then it ships out the next day. I wish you, I there wish so that many easy. steps. <laughs> Truly, if Amazon had fulfillment for gifting influencers, I would change things. <laughs> <like that>. Same, <laughs> fulfill, please do. Oh, <laughs> um, so good. So with gifting, so many creators want to know, how do they get on your radar? How do they get on a brand's radar? How do they start to build a relationship with an agency? Because I do think agency relationship can be huge Yeah. because once I contact you and we have a good repertoire, like you then are unlocking the door for 15 brands at a time, sometimes more. So how do people get on your radar?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I think I think there are a couple of different ways. Um, I think that probably the most effective way is, you know, it go after brands you authentically love first.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm,
1: yes. I'm, so we're, you know, we're copied on a couple of like um, alias emails for our clients where it's like PR at their name, mm-hmm. you know? sure. and so we see all of the requests that come in. And I think, Uh you know, there's probably a school of thought out there where it's like, if you want to try a brand, if you want to get on a PR list, just go ahead and ask. And that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, But just know, like, a lot of other people are doing that, too. So there's just like that influx of like all of that. So the reason I say start with brands you love is, you know, create content around what you already have, you know, go out and buy it. yes <laughs> and, Or take yes. It in your medicine cabinet already um, and make something that's real and authentic to you and start there. Cause I'll tell you, I, the number of inquiries that I see come in that have like a, by the way, I love your product so much. Like here are three posts that I've done, you know, already, you know, creating products. So I would, you know, Put me on your list uh, in the future if you're accepting new people. um, Is probably like one in a hundred, maybe less. (gasps) It's it's truly. (laughs) I'm just going (laughs) to kill you. Um, So many of them just reach out and ask to be put on the list and don't link to anything. So I don't even know nothing. who, what their account oh, is, my my Lord. Account, what their engagement is, um, so you know it's there's oh, something to be being bold, but be thorough as well.
0: <laughs> Thank you. I mean, legitimately, one oh one link your social account.
1: <laughs> Please link yeah, your social. Yeah, yeah, that's step number one. <laughs> hyper
0: hyperlink. If you just put your yeah. at and you expect me to open up the app I'm and search for you, that is. Time.
1: I'm not taking not that. Not happening.
0: That's, <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Literally, Tyler just told us he gets hundreds of emails. You're talking about what you represent about 15 brands right now. Yeah. yeah. And then each brand, let's say, gets 100 requests, at, let's say, every three days. That's still 1,500 different emails that you are getting incoming. And of that, the 1% of them, are even actually linking to already existing organic content. So that's just, I mean, I hope everybody takes this right now and runs to their outgoing pitches. And this is one thing I tell all my mentorship people if you haven't even created a piece of content that is relevant to this brand, do not reach out. Don't reach out. That's why you're the best, Anya. <laughs> Thank you. what else what else are you looking for in that outreach email clearly hyperlinks basics do you want to see engagement rate do you want an attachment I am against attachments but maybe you're going to tell me something different because I'm not getting as many incomings as you are
1: Uh, I'm not opposed to attachments but I think if you're going to do it like keep it really succinct like give me give me what I need to know as quickly as possible like don't give me your life story I don't have time to read a multi-page document like If you've got great statistics, great numbers to share, great demographics, like that's enough. Like give it visually and quickly and easily. Um, But I don't feel like attachments are necessary at all. Um, And if you can include that that info in the email instead, that's probably better. I think another way, too, to like grab our attention is if you are creating content and you know that we're the PR agency associated with that brand, tag us, too. So we see it because, mm. you know, our influencer team monitors our, our social channels. So if they see you and you get on their radar, that's another way that you're really going to get their direct attention right away where they're seeing your content in real time.
0: Love that. That's a great tip that I have not given somebody in a long time, because I will say from the exterior, it is hard to know like who does what. For, for sure. Me. So if you know, but it is a great next step, or if you find out it is a great next step. Um, yeah. Speaking of like getting someone's attention, one goal that I think is on so many creators' lists for this year is how do I get invited to events? How do I get on the radar for an opening or a press event or a launch? Yeah. Like, how do they do it? What How do you search for people?
1: Um, Well, obviously events are so localized. And I think the great thing is that it does, doesn't as much matter where you live now. If you're in a general metropolitan area, they're probably doing events where, you know, influencers would be invited. It's not an easy thing. I mean, I think the the number one thing is to make it really obvious that you live in the area. I know that sounds crazy, <laughs> but um, you know, it's, I, not.
0: If we're,
1: it's not, but if we're ever throwing an event in Dallas, you know, I don't live in Dallas. I live in New York city. So like I know who I would invite in New York city just from the day to day of my job. But sure. when it comes to building a Dallas list, I kind of got to start fresh. So, you know, if I can't quickly and easily discern from your pages that you live there, I'm not going to count you in just because I'm, you know, I'm not totally sure. So I think that's, that's a big one. Um, And there are a lot of, you know, influencer lists out there um, and databases that are so outdated you know, you pull like a, a quick LA list and half of them reply and yeah. they're like, I live in Utah now. Um, so it's really hard <laughs> to even rely on tools like that. Um, so it, the more that you can get obvious that you're there in the market, the better. I think that's step one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Beyond that too, it really is, you know, like a very similarly, like go after brands that you love, that you, if you want to be, mm-hmm invited to a, you know, restaurant opening, make sure that you're tagging every time you're at that restaurant. And if it's owned by a restaurant group, tag them too. you know, make friends with the manager. Like uh, that's, that's a, definitely a big one. Um, I think speaking of making friends, networking is so mm-hmm. important. Um, yes. You know, if you do connect with a publicist and influencer, you um, Manager, what have you, you know, if you can get together in person with them um, and, you know, really get to know them on a personal level, I think that's something that it really that that's a a big factor in in our list. Because if we're creating a list for an event, we want people who are going to show up. And so yeah, know there are certain people that I have great relationships with who will probably come just because I invited them. Um, so, you know. Yes,
0: there is nothing worse as a PR person than sending a lot of invites and then feeling really panicked that no, no one is coming. So having that personal relationship, if you say you're going to show up you need to show up because that PR person is counting on it 100%. And I think if you're not in New York, like, of course, people who are in New York or LA where more PR people are, might be a little bit easier to say like, hey, let's grab coffee. Hey, whatever. But I also think like, hey, let's get on a zoom coffee. Hey, I just want to chit chat. Like I always encourage creators to build a relationship that isn't directly related to an ask. Mm -hmm. So just check in and be like, Hey, do you have any new brands that I can support? Like, what are you launching right now? Like, just like an editor would do when they're getting ready to build a story, you need to be reaching out and saying, how can I help you? Yeah, And not just always expecting that the PR contact is going to reach out to you all the time. You need to do some of the the relationship work here. (laughs) Yes,
1: I agree. And I think just to like dovetail on that a little bit too, if you are invited to an event and it's not like, your dream event or your dream mm-hmm. brand or what have you, I would say go yeah. anyway for that networking. Yeah. Like go post support. And while you're there, like meet those people who are throwing the event, be like, what other clients do you have? Like how, how else can I help yes. you? Um, Cause that, that'll be so appreciated versus like, Oh, I'm going to wait until, you know, something perfect comes my way, but that you might've, yeah. that might've been your chance to build that relationship.
0: Yeah. You got to start somewhere. There's like a whole ecosystem here. So you got to just oh, yeah. dive in where you can get in. Absolutely. <laughs> what are some things that creators have done recently for your brands, whether that be paid or unpaid, that like really caught your attention? Like this was different. This was no, like I noted this, like mm. this person really did this next level.
1: You know, I, there, this wasn't, I think this is maybe a year or two ago. Um, We had a Bulgarian skincare brand, um, like really lovely, clean stuff, like luxury skincare. And mm-hmm. they would work with uh, like mid-tier, I would say influencers often. And there was, um, so they, they they paid a series of influencers to create various content. And there was this one couple that share an Instagram, their names are Alex and Mike. And they, their output It was just, you know, for a grid image on their Instagram was just so creative and like artistic and different Mm -hmm. and visually cool and such a surprise that I I think it blew everybody away and the brand ended up hiring them at least one more time, if not more, um, because they were just like, there was such clear dedication and vision, you know, to it um, that it just... Mm -hmm. It, it really got everybody excited. So that was something that was really cool. So I think if you're ever given like an open-ended brief and you have mm-hmm. a creative lens, Freedom. like go
0: for it. Yeah, <laughs> Really go for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I always think like over deliver is one thing I tell people all the time, because yeah. like you just said, like get rehired, mm-hmm. making the connection and doing the full process to get that first, like deal done with a brand is not easy, right? You got to break through all the noise of all this gifting that we're talking about. You got to like get on their radar. You have to fit their exact description of what they're needing and it's a competitive space. So once you're finally offered that offer, you got to show up like above and beyond because getting rehired is so much easier than it is to get a brand new brand deal every time. I
1: can't echo that enough. And it's, you know, I have paid, Influencers that you guys all know a lot of money um, Mm -hmm. to have really frustrating experiences where there's just so much back and forth because things aren't done correctly or, Mm -hmm. you know, they're late or what have you. And, you know, we don't work with them again. And it's so frustrating. And, you know, to give you a really good extreme example, um, I worked with Kim Kardashian for a project I want to say in like 2009, 2010. Um, mm-hmm. And she was on time. She was nice to everybody. She did more media interviews than she was contracted for. She posted more than she needed to. And, and look at is- her now. Like she has taken that work <laughs> Look at her now. And yeah. we really, just multiplied it and multiplied it and multiplied it. And I think, honestly, quite frankly, that's why the family is so successful, because that is really their approach. True. And that's who people want to work with. You know, it's think about your own Absolutely. work environment. You know, you want to work with the people who are going the extra mile with you, not making mm-hmm. your life better.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's actually go back and talk about, like, of course, we don't have to name names, but let's talk about some of the most common things that you see that make somebody like a... I don't want to rehire this person because I have my own, but I love hearing from other people if those like a lie. Like, our, is everyone making the same mistakes everywhere? <laughs> What's <laughs> happening?
1: Well, obviously, late content is number one because a lot of this is scheduled so strategically around, you know, a brand's marketing calendar or certain promotions mm-hmm. or retail priorities, what have you. So when things get delivered after that window is over, it's almost, meaningless quite frankly and you know if it's not in conjunction with everything else that's going on it's really hard to measure the success of it um so mm-hmm. i think late is probably my least favorite um mm-hmm. my second least favorite maybe it's tied for number one honestly is going live <laughs> without approval that happens <gasps> more often Ooh. than I would mm-hmm. ever expect um, mm-hmm. which the client sees immediately right like when that of happens we're, we're in trouble when that happens yeah so. it makes
0: the PR person look so bad you're yeah, literally it's like just done. like shit all over your relationship like I will not go back because you just circumvented me I went have had a person go around me and contact the client directly as though the client wouldn't have known to complain about me and I was like I will end you as a creator right now for that
1: oh my god you should name and shame
0: them. That's, <laughs> and the best part is I don't even remember their handle. That's how insignificant you are to me now. I'm oh, like I nope, that. don't care, no. never again. <laughs>
1: oh my um, god! I think beyond that, um, when and number three is very common is not sticking mm-hmm. to the brief <laughs> in any way. You know whether yes. it's your messaging wrong or giving the caption wrong or you know if the content itself isn't done as per the brief, I mean, that is the Mm -hmm. brief is provided to take away that guesswork. And there's a reason that it's provided. Typically, I think Mm -hmm. if um, certainly if, if there's ever a creator who gets a brief and they're like, Whoa, this is not like anything I would produce. I would never do that. Obviously like that's an important discussion to have. And You know, raising your hand and saying, like, I think this would be more authentic. That's important. But Mm -hmm. ignoring it outright is just not okay.
0: Yeah, I think so many creators are so nervous to offer counter opportunities, counter creative suggestions, Um, even just like come back and say, like, I want a different rate or like, what if we change the scope of work this way to fit the rate? Like everything is a conversation and a lot of times creators walk away feeling negatively about it, which makes the brand also feel negatively about it because they didn't speak up. Because they felt like, oh, I don't have an option, or if I speak up, they're not going to hire me, and that's rarely the case.
1: I know. I, I it's funny you say that. I really wish more influencers would advocate for the type of content they're producing, especially a lot of these briefs that are created by brands or publicists or who what have you are really they're super one sided. It's to fit a particular marketing need, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: on the wrong channel, that doesn't make sense. And, yeah. you know, you know your channel the best. So if you can look at that and then digest that in a way that will resonate with your followers and the kinds of things that you like to do, like that's the home run. So I, I really wish more more
0: mm-hmm. creators
1: would, you know, be loud and proud about what they want to put out there.
0: I love that. And what do you think, like, I, I think the creators need to understand the business, like the industry as a whole to better understand what type of content might perform better for a brand, right? Because there's content that feels native to you. Mm-hmm. But then there's also content that is serving a purpose as well. And you we kind of have to like mesh those two things. What sort of resources would you suggest? Is it podcast? Is it Um, somebody that you follow online, is it industry news? I know you put out a newsletter, so you should all contact Tyler, which will give his info um, to get on his newsletter every month where he talks about beauty industry trends. But what else do you think that would be beneficial for someone to know more about the industry?
1: Well, certainly all of the above in terms of what you just said. I think in, in most fields, there's a general lack of curiosity. Um, -hmm. which is sort of the opposite of how I am, which is how I ended up starting that newsletter because I was like, Mm -hmm. I need more people to be aware of certain things, (laughs) Um, but, you know, read everything you can read the the major websites that are related to that industry, read the trade mm-hmm. magazines, even if it's something you're really interested in. There are plenty of influencers out there who are industry leaders, you know, who are they, identify them, yeah. them. Um, and then beyond that, you know, networking, you know, it all goes back to networking. Um, yep. There's nothing like being able to ask someone questions and hear from their experiences and what they think and Mm -hmm. what um, what their ups and downs have been. I think there's something really valuable there.
0: Mm, yeah, you are so you are so right. Learning those things is what puts you ahead 100%. Okay, so as we start to get closer to the end, I would love to know, like, what are some things that your clients are looking at doing this year that you think is really interesting? Anything that you can divulge or, like, that's coming up right now in terms of product launches or events or just, like, fun things that you're like, this is really cool for the beauty industry right now?
1: mm. That's a good question. First of all, if you hear the banging, I'm so sorry. Uh, it is winter in New York City, and that is our
0: it's heater. the heat. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, oh, stuff need- must be going on, but you're right. Nothing like no, a good radiator, steam yeah. heater. It's the radiator, yeah. Um,
1: very nope. New York City problems we're having here. Um, <laughs> you know, that's a. it's an interesting question you ask. We, we've had a really crazy start to the year so far. I think we've launched something mm-hmm. like that. Products already, and it's February, um, which is really—it's a very busy for Q1 because typically this Mm -hmm. period is shopping time of year. Yes, yes. So I I think we're seeing a a much more aggressive pipeline for products, which Mm -hmm. could be a great thing and it could be a bad thing. You know, uh, I think there's some really cool innovation coming down the pike that I'm seeing um, so far. I'm just worried that if this is a full industry trend, we're going to see a lot of Me Too products, you know, and yeah, I'm seeing a bigger push towards events this year. Um, You know, I think, like I said, last year was quiet and kind of reserved in a lot of ways. And I'm seeing that starting to go away and and more of an excitement around like connecting in real life, making things real uh, again. So I'm excited about that.
0: Awesome. And what do you see as like a trend overall? Like, do you have any predictions for this year, just like generally outside of your clients or in the creator space? Like, what are you looking at that you're like, this is really interesting that I can't wait to see how it unfolds?
1: Um, reluctantly, like everything around AI. (laughs) I'm like, the reason oh not the reason one of the many reasons I'm not a creator is because like at a certain point with technology I'm like I'm done you know I'm all set (laughs) um so that's why I'm like so in awe of you because you're always like on top of like the latest trends and everything (laughs) um I just the AI thing to me I'm still like cautious about (laughs) in a big way sure I'm starting Mm -hmm. to see like cool creative stuff come out of it. So I, mm-hmm. that to me is something that I'm, I'm trying to be more open-minded about because clearly it is about to take over the world. For
0: sure. Definitely. <laughs> it absolutely is. And, you teach um, me? <laughs> I, I will do my best from what I know, which is normally somebody asks me a question and then I'm like Googling. And then also like going on my own expertise, be like, okay, this is what I think. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. um, Okay. So I would all love to end with kind of just like a personal story, personal storytelling, because I feel like a lot of podcasts when we're interviewing people, of course, like you're giving me such incredible information and advice for creators, things that brands should be thinking about. But like as a human in the beauty industry, what are some things that have kind of like changed you or in the way that you do business or, you know, sort of what lessons have you learned that you feel like anyone in this industry or listening could take home and really apply for themselves?
1: Mm. I feel like I've said that's such a good question to all of your questions. <laughs> I really have been. So thank you for that. Uh, of course. You know, In this industry, I think the thing that I've had to learn the most is, like, how to be adaptable, you know, whatever that means to you, whether it's, like, rolling with the punches or learning new skills or what have you. It's just such a fast-paced industry, um, and so much impacts it, you know, new technologies, new trends, new, you know, cultural movements, um, you know wars, like so many things that you would never think would impact your day-to-day really do. So being able to really, you know, learn as much as you can, absorb as much as you can, and use that to inform how you're going to move forward in a strategic way, I think is super, super important. There's, um, it seems like there's a big trend or not trend, but just like you know, most people just want to check off things on a to-do list during a day, right? And it's this is not an industry where that is always possible. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, it's really important, like I said, to just be adaptable and flexible and, and you know, figure out how to meet challenges and new things head on because it's, that's what this industry is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I always tell people that, like, if you're not personally evolving, your audience can't Personally, evolve either. Like your audience will involve you with you. So if yeah. you're seeing stagnant growth, it's likely because your personal vision is stagnant as well, right? And like that's a big thing in the beauty industry because this was one of the first industries that came into content as a journey, right? YouTube. Yeah initially was beauty was an early adopter, just like we're seeing TikTok beauty is an early adopter, which means that early creators have to move and be willing to be fluid in order to continue to see that type of growth. And it's, it's, personally challenging right just outside of content creation when something is moving fast and you don't feel like you have control over it or you're being forced to look at your creativity or the way you show up in a new way that's super difficult and that is one of like a huge challenge I see for creators all the time they're like oh well I did it this way and like it's not working like okay well then you got to do it another way I don't know what to tell you
1: that's such good advice for like so many areas of life (laughs)
0: I know, right? It's really, we just speaking to the soul here. <laughs> amazing well thank you so much for your time today Tyler I mean running a agency that has 15 brands is a ton of work so I really appreciate you getting on today Um, we will of course put in the show notes where people can find Tyler directly as well as how to follow Nouveau um, on Instagram and TikTok Um, but do you have any other last words for people
1: no just keep you know keep adapting I guess
0: Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you you coming on and we will talk to you soon.
1: Sounds great. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much as always for listening to Lip Service, the podcast with me, Sonia Elise. If you just can't get enough of me or this podcast, which I know is the case, please follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Sonia.Elise. That's S-O-N-I-A dot E-L-Y-S-S. In addition, it would mean the world to me if you could rate and review this podcast and just let me know what you think. As a thank you for being a listener, I will be selecting a monthly winner to receive a free one-on-one session with me. All you have to do to enter is screenshot the podcast and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging myself as well as at lip service world. If listening to this podcast has inspired you to invest in your journey as a beauty creator, don't forget that you can get my eyes on your account with a custom profile on it. It's $35, the same as a Stanley cup, but it adds way more value to your life. Don't forget that sharing your life online can spark joy. So just hit post. Catch you on the next episode.